Nicholas Cage. Yep. Was it Abadaba or Yabadaba? One yeah, Abba, Abadaba, I think was his name. <laughs> yeah. Yabadaba Doo. Hello everyone and welcome back to yet another episode of The Unpaging with me Satyam Kanal, David Toro. Hey, what's up? And frankly, a guest that we were hoping to have showed up to help us break down this movie, but unfortunately who is not here. And I don't know about you, David, but I feel re- really betrayed because I was really excited to have the said person here, especially because this movie, the nature of this movie, the like the social dynamics of it and what it deals with like the political history of the US um we could have really helped uh this person's expertise um but unfortunately because of their nature they could not make it um they asked for an extension so i'm actually very disappointed um how do you feel about it Yeah, you know what? It's I feel the same way. Just slightly disappointed because I think that he would have contributed seminal information to the discussion today. I know, I know. Like you said, the nature, the nature of having to extend deadlines and such, it just didn't make it possible this time. So we're hoping that at least next time or maybe the time after that, he can join us for for a great discussion. I think what's going to happen is like we Uh, we let them know to come this time and they're probably going to ask for an extension they're going to show up like several movies down the road you know thankfully we have a lot of movies to break down over the however long it's going to take so you know what would be a great idea we should book him now for the joe exotic which is the last entry in imdb i think he might be able to make that okay 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 that sounds good all right well If anyone is new to the podcast and happened to check this episode somehow, uh we watch all Nicolas Cage movies starting from the talk and talk about them, analyze them, discuss them, break them down. Today's episode is on the 1984 movie The Cotton Club, also by Francis Ford Coppola. We've talked about him in the past. Uh this movie stars Richard Gere, Diane Lane, and Gregory Hines among other great names. Uh the movie is centered around a Harlem jazz club from the 1930s named The Cotton Club and it is a crime drama and I found out slightly based on reality. Um hopefully by this point the introduction that I've just given you has acted as a trailer for the movie and you're kind of intrigued to find out what the movie is about. So please go ahead and watch the movie. It is on Amazon Prime, so if you're subscribed to it you can just watch it there. and then come back and join us for the discussion. How are you doing, David? Doing well as always. How's your week? Good, good, good. Uh, my week was not very um you know, not very special. I kept on playing um uh, more of Shadow of Mordor. I've gotten really well at this point. I'm like just like a raid boss now. Um uh I don't know if you've I don't know if we talked about this, but did you You're not watching The Mandalorian, right? 
So I watched the first episode. Right. I know that season two is out, but yeah, I, I still have to watch the first season. Oh, and I saw that there's like, they announced nine uh, shows for Star Wars stuff, which is very, very exciting. It was ridiculous. The, yeah, the other day, this was on Friday, I think. The new episode came, and then they announced a bunch of uh, shows for the next however long, you know? Um, but yeah, The Mandalorian was really good. Second season has uh, kept... Like, frankly, I was... So, um, I'm not a huge Star Wars buff like some people are, you know? I'm not crazy about it. I watched the original trilogy, and then I also watched the prequels, but I was like, meh, you know? Rogue One was really good. We talked about Rogue One in the past. Um, but once I started watching The Mandalorian, I'm, like, all in, you know? So, after after the first season, I went back and started watching Clone Wars. Um, I have been continuing... Uh, I'm like almost done with Clone Wars and I'm going to jump to Rebels and then uh, I'll have caught up. So yeah, The Mandalorian is great. Um, I don't know how I feel about plugging in another show in our podcast, but it's a great show. How was your week? My week was good. Um, I actually was going to tell you about this game yesterday. I got, um, I'm, I'm, um, I subscribe to the Xbox Game Pass, which gives you games for the PC as well. And there's this one game called Hollow Knight. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's a platformer where it's like I don't. It's not sci fi by any by any means, but it's a fantasy game, and you're in this world, and you have to uncover secrets about it. And it's a platformer. The world is very very immersive. Um, I was playing it yesterday for like an hour or so, and it was really really intriguing. Um, so if you get a chance to to play it or get it, it's I highly recommend it. And I'll let you know. I'll let you know how it goes. But yeah, my week was good. Um, last, last week to go before Christmas break, um, we're going to go to New York next weekend. Uh, we'll be driving up there to be shielded from, from COVID. Um, and yeah, looking forward, looking forward to the Christmas week. Nice, nice. Yeah, me too. Actually, and Cyberpunk dropped, uh, yeah. this past week as well. And Oh boy, it's all over Reddit. I haven't played it myself. I'm going to wait. I usually wait for games until like the glitches are resolved and whatnot. And hopefully it goes on a on a sale at some point. You know, I'm not crazy about playing a game right after it comes out. But of course, it's 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 a really hype game. It's been hyped for a while and it's been delayed for a while. And I don't know if you saw it, but Kurtz Kasag, uh made a video on it too. And that was pretty cool. Very fascinating stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for yeah. sure, for sure. And you also know I've been writing uh, recently. Um, I have continued. Um, it's like going to be in, done in a week. So uh, I'll let you know. Thanks for your help on it too, by the way. And I'll let you know how it goes. Um, this project is almost done. So yeah, I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to the final product. Cool, cool, cool. All right, perfect. So shall we get into the movie then? Let's do it. All right. You want to go over the synopsis and stuff? Yeah, yeah. All right, so The Cotton Club, uh, movie by Francis Ford Coppola, like you said, from 1984. Uh, first thing right off the bat that stood out to me and then obviously was explained by the plot of the movie was that it's co-written with Mario Puzo, which is who is the writer of The Godfather. Um, so right when I saw his name, I figured that it would be obviously mobster-related, some politicking, um, but I did not expect it to be so musical from, from a Mario Puzo, either screenplay or original book. Um, basically, 
It centers around the Cotton Club, which is a club from uh, is a club in Harlem in the late nineteen twenties, right at the end of the Harlem Renaissance, um, in Harlem, New York City, and it follows different people that are related to the club. So the main focus of the movie is the club, and then we see the um, the people around it and how they interact with each other, and then how that evolves into kind of the mobster scene in New York City at the time. And interestingly enough, like you said, it is based on real events, or mostly real events. The Cotton Club was a club in Harlem. Um, the two brothers, it seems like they didn't go by the same exact name, but there was a brother duo that um, used to perform tap dancing at the Cotton Club. Um, many of the singers, I mean, they mentioned Duke Ellington, um, the main mobster Dutch Schultz is also uh, based on a on a real person. I don't know about Richard Gere's character, um, Dixie Dixie Dwyer. Is he? Yeah. So the the actually the owner was Oni Madden, the the guy who owns. And again, it's loosely based on his real life. But then Dixie, he was based on a real life actor, uh, George Raft, who did work for Oni Madden and who ended up uh going on to play like mobster in movies and stuff so it's it's loosely based on that actor i think interesting so yeah i would i would say that it is pretty much based on true events maybe some names were um mixed here and there and changed but it it follows first of all two brothers well two sets of of two brothers first the two tap dancers sandman and i forget his other name do you remember his name um yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah. Well, Sandman and his brother. The tap dancing brothers. Yes. Yeah. And then it follows um, Dixie Dwyer and Vincent Dwyer. Vincent Dwyer played by Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Dixie Dwyer played by Richard Gere, who is really, really young at the time. And then it follows also um, the main girl, who is Diane Lane. And then it follows the owner of the club, Oni, Oni Madden. He is tied in with the mob in New York City, and that's how we gain exposure to Dutch Schultz, who was also a mobster in New York City. Um, and basically, it just revolves it, it revolves around these characters from 1928 to 1931. Um, main things from the movie is, you know, character development of the two brothers, both sets of brothers. Again, the tap dancers, at one point, they go their own separate ways, and then they come back together. And then how... The Dwyers change from being uh, tight-knit and wanting to work together to Vincent dying at the hands of um, Dutch Schultz because he wants to get power in the mob, which we'll explain in a little. And then Vincent Dwyer, sorry, uh, Dixie Dwyer uh, going on to make movies in Hollywood and um, potentially being involved with the, with the mob in, in the West Coast, but that's not, that's not clear. What did, what did you think of the movie overall? So I thought it was an interesting movie. Right off the bat, I noticed some familiar faces like, you know, uh, Richard Gere, Diane Lane. Actually, funny thing, Diane Lane um, got, uh, I think she, I don't know if she got awarded or not, but she was up for the, Raz, the Razzie uh, Award for this movie. And after I learned this, I was like, yeah, she didn't really do well. But anyways... Um, I noticed Lawrence Fishburne as well, again. Um, his character uh, was also based on a real-life 
mobster of that period, I think. And he apparently reprised this role like 13, year la- 13 years later in another, in another movie. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and then the, the guy, the Dutch guy, uh, Dutch Schultz, his, the, the actor that portrayed him, I recognized immediately because, have you ever seen the show Dexter? I watched the first season. Yeah, so Dexter's dad um, oh, is yeah. played by the same actor. Yeah. I recognized him immediately because he has this very unique voice, like a deeper timber of voice. And in this movie, it was not really... I mean, he's much older when he plays Dexter's dad. And somehow he has more hair. Um, but anyways, I thought uh, his character was interesting as well. But yeah, I, I noticed all these people. And uh, actually, two more that I did notice towards more towards the end of the movie. One was Giancarlo Esposito, our boy from Breaking Bad. He came on briefly, right? Um, he's also in The Mandalorian, by the way. I don't know if I, if you knew that, but he plays a really cool role in Mando. Um, he came for a second and I was able to notice him. I'm like, that's him, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio meme. Um, I looked it up and he was indeed there. Uh, he's one of Lawrence Fishburne's uh, henchmen. And then another was, uh, there was a gunman at the end of the movie uh, who worked for uh, Madden. And he was uh, also from Breaking Bad. He was the, the uncle with the little, the ringing. Um, yeah, and the wheelchair and Theo. the bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his name. Theo something. It was really cool to see these guys. So for the movie itself, I am, I have like two different um, lines of thought. One of them is I thought the plot wasn't very impressive by any means. I mean, okay, cool. It's a mob movie. Um, it's a, it was a cool social commentary of the time. Like it was a nice, um, like a timepiece movie, you know? Um, but the plot was pretty watered down version of, uh, godfather trilogy so if you really want kind of intrigue like a mob intrigue movie um where you see a really cool power struggle just watch the godfather trilogy you know or like goodfellas or the irishman from this year that was also pretty good mm. um but when it came to plot i wasn't i didn't enjoy it that much what i did enjoy though was the actual cotton club um like the story around it, the performances by the tap dancers. Like while watching that, I was, the performances were so good. And I definitely enjoyed uh, Coppola spending so much time um, on those performances on stage. I really enjoyed that. You know, some movies, they just kind of dance around stuff like that. And they just focus on the main characters, you know. But I thought he did a really good job. If like the way I thought about it was this was like the movies before the movies were a thing, you know, or like, like back then theater um, was the main form of entertainment. And you could see how it was a gathering place for people in Harlem or, you know, um, in those times. So I really enjoyed the fact that he put so much focus on it. Um, I'm assuming the actors who portrayed the performers were actual performers um, because I thought they did a splendid job. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of between those two things, you know. A part of the movie I really enjoyed, but then a part of it I didn't really enjoy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm not a huge fan of monster movies to begin with, so that part of the movie I didn't really enjoy. Um, I did like the show business aspect of it, and then, like we had said, we had mentioned before, the social commentary of it, the segregation still in the 1920s um, in New York City of the blacks and whites, and then how clubs would employ the blacks to play the instruments, but not let them come in as customers. Um, I thought that was really interesting. The mob aspect of it, I have to admit, I got more into it the last 15-20 minutes of the movie, because, and I think what, what did it to me was when Oni was starting to talk with the Italians of um, getting rid of Dutch Schultz to to take over his racketeering uh, portion of it. And it's it's really interesting. I read into the, the racket numbers that they show up in newspapers and stuff, and what they did was they chose these three numbers that I think, um, I think the three numbers were based on the number of bets or the amount of money that was raised in bets during horse racing. And then using those three numbers of that amount, they did like a lottery in Harlem um, conducted by the Irish mafia, the Italian mafia. And then they would pretty much force these businesses to take part. And that's when you see like, like they assault businesses for, for racketeering. So it was a it was a lottery quote unquote because if you you were forced to participate um and then money was obviously taken away from you but it was it was really interesting i had only heard of uh racketeering in the sense of protection you know you pay me you pay me a certain number of monthly dues and then at the i'm i'm going to protect your business kind of like um i remember playing mafia when i was a kid um i think that was a rockstar game and there was another one on the I think, I think it was Mafia, um, and you would go from business to business racketeering. So that's the only, the and it's just not as exciting to me as I would have loved to, to have seen more of a cotton club with the um, performances as a main aspect. Um, I think that would have been more interesting to me. Right, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I actually looked into the racketeering stuff as well, and yeah, what you said really makes sense um yeah like you said i only just thought it, it like extortion and you know protection money you know um but yeah that's that's really cool and uh the horse thing you bring up i i saw something really interesting so in one of the scenes i forget exactly who it was but somebody was drawing a horse's head um which made me immediately think of the godfather if you remember the famous scene with the horse, the horse's head in the bed, um, maybe it was a cool uh, throwback to that. Um, but then the racketeering stuff also makes sense. Maybe they were thinking of horses. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So the horses was also, it was also uh, apparent to me because it reminded me of the Godfather scene, and. It comes up a few times during the during the movie too. He's drawing the horses in his in his um in his booth in the corner, and then at the end of the movie, when he picks up the phone, I think to give the call to to um, assassinate Dutch, he's he's uh, drawing the face of a horse, which was pretty interesting too. Right. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. So, who do you think was the most interesting character, or what character pairing did you? uh enjoy the most in your opinion the most 
the characters that I that I enjoyed the most were the two tap dancing brothers. I wish we could have seen more of their family aspect, family life, because we do see that at the beginning. But I think that they both go. I think it's interesting because they both go into show business. They seem to be like a duo that is sold as a duo. And then it's interesting how Sandman kind of wants to become his own his own act, and he asks. I can't remember his name, the the director of the cast, that, that big guy that gets bullied at the end. Um, Sandman asks him if he can have a solo, and he eventually does, and the brother, he sees it as backstabbing, which is unfortunate, but I get it. If, if you're associated with your brother for a show business, and you're in the cotton club because of your brother, too, to an extent, um, I understand why it would be backstabbing. But then I like how they part ways... They become famous in, in their own respects. And then there's a reconciliation in the Brothers Club when he shows up to, to visit him. And they hug it out. And then by the end, what's really cool to me is that they both end up back at the Cotton Club having duos and having solos as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely like that. It was cool that um, Sandman was friends with Dixie as well and he ends up saving his life at the end. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. It shows that... Dixie was a pretty stand-up guy as well, and he had good connections um, in in the area. You know, it it was very apparent that Dixie's family also grew up very poor, and that's why you end end up seeing him and his brother, um, Vince, doing things for money, making you know ends meet and whatnot. So yeah, I I definitely enjoyed their pairing as well. For me, a really interesting relationship or friendship was um, Oni Madden and Frenchie. His I don't know if he's his bodyguard, his partner, um, his right-hand man. I thought their interaction was really interesting. First of all, I thought um, in a typical mob way, uh, Oni Madden, just looking at him, he was not very threatening or dangerous by any means, but Frenchie was the big guy, you know. And it was really interesting when... um, Nicolas Cage's character Vince uh, kidnaps him, asks for money, and then later um, he's released and goes back. And I really like the reconciliation scene between those two. Apparently that scene, um, they almost cut out of the movie, but then uh, someone convinced uh, Coppola to put it back. Um, I thought that scene was fantastic where he breaks the watch and then he already has a new watch. Um yeah, I, I found that. And, you know, while I was watching that movie, first thing is I I was really wishing the character that... So it was this actor, um, uh, Bob Hoskins, an English guy who ended up playing Oni Madden. Um, apparently, when he got the phone call from Coppola to play that role, he did not believe him. And he said, oh, oh yeah, and I'm Elvis effing presley and he cut the phone um but then i would have rather seen someone more intimidating like or 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 someone that isn't intimidating but you know when they mean business they mean business like for example if they played robert de niro or marlon brando instead of him think of that like think of one of those two owning the club and nobody's gonna mess with them you know like you do not want to mess with those guys just by who they are, right? So I thought Bob Hoskins, no diss to him. Like, I'm sure he's a great actor, but like he just didn't feel like an intimidating person. And 
even when he's trying to settle the feud between at the, very early on in the movie when he's trying to settle the feud between Dutch and one of the Flynn brothers that he ends up killing he's trying to settle them down and you just see that he isn't doing a great job like I feel like if it was someone like De Niro or like Brando they would have one of them like whoever played they could have looked at those two and they would have just sat down in silence you know so um oh i also read that apparently sylvester stallone was set to be the lead but then he had trouble with one of the writers or producers and he backed off out of the role i think of dixie i don't see you so you're saying that sylvester stallone was gonna be dixie yeah i think so oh okay thank god he wasn't i do not see because <laughs> yeah he was yeah. probably he was probably huge at the time yeah i don't yeah, see yeah. him i don't see him yeah. as dixie but yeah, 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 I was actually surprised by Richard Gere's performance. I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of his movies, mm. but he seemed at the very beginning I couldn't recognize him with the circular mm. glasses. Mm. And interestingly enough, he plays the cornet. So every yeah, time, yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, every he time he actually that, did did his own. Yeah, yeah, which is crazy because some those solos are. I mean, they're it's jazz solos. There's nothing easy about them. I thought yeah. that was very very interesting. For sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean I don't have too much more to say about the movie um or like the plot of the movie other than that. It was okay. I definitely enjoyed the social commentary aspect of it. Um I thought the whole Sandman and his girlfriend that dynamic was pretty interesting cuz she was uh her parents were um I think white and black, so she she looked fair so she could pass off as um white if she wanted to so that's why she got access to whatever club she wanted to go whereas for sandman he couldn't do that because like you said they were allowed to perform but not be in the audience and i thought it was interesting at the end um lawrence fishburne's character i think bumpy his name yeah bumpy bumpy he could get into the club but because i guess he's one of the like the mobsters that Owen Matt uh or Oni Madden had a good relationship with him. That that's why he could go in. Yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else other to say from the movie. Um Diane Lane, interestingly enough, she plays uh the main one of the main characters. She was in Rumblefish as well. Um also the star or one of the stars in The Outsiders. Um all three, including this one, uh Francis Ford Coppola movies. It's very interesting to see uh actually I don't know if I mentioned this during our Rumblefish episode, but Tom Waits plays Benny. I think his name was the guy who owns the pool bar. Um, he plays he plays the um, the MC uh, of the show at the end. That's Tom Waits. Oh, yeah. I see. So okay. it's like little parts that you that you keep seeing, especially with uh, Francis Ford Coppola. It's great, obviously, to see Nick Cage. Um, but yeah, regarding regarding the entire movie. One thing that I did wanna wanna comment on is the brutality of how Dutch kills Flynn at the very beginning. They're in that buffet room. He grabs the carving knife and just stabs him in the neck. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, brutal. That was, that was brutal. Yeah, that was. Brutal. I wasn't I wasn't expecting such a gruesome scene right like in the in the first yeah. twenty minutes of the yeah. movie. Yeah, I knew trouble was brewing though. Like he he just seemed like a out of control character. Honestly, I'm frankly surprised he's he has survived for this long, you know? Like he he could have been shanked like years ago. Like he just seems like a 
guy who just doesn't respect anyone that much, does what he wants, you know? Yeah, he seemed off his rocker. And interestingly enough, um, in real life, he didn't die at the restaurant like they show him at the movie. A few of them actually survived. They go to the hospital and Dutch dies 29 hours after he gets shot at the restaurant, which was in New Jersey. It wasn't in New York in real life, and it was torn down in 2008. Um, but he dies in the he dies in the hospital the day after. And um, I think out of the four people that were with him, it was like his accountant, one of his uh, henchmen and other people. I think they eventually all died. Yeah. Um, was it Abba Dabba or Yabba Dabba? One of yeah, his... Abba, Abba Dabba, I think was his name. <laughs> yeah. Yabba Dabba Doo. Yabba Dabba Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not my, it hasn't been my favorite movie um, so far. It's an interesting take. It's, I, I, I was thinking about Rumblefish being in black and white. And the very first scene of the movie is in black and white. And I don't know if you remember, but they smash a beer bottle in the street. And I was hoping that it would be black and white because I think that would have put us more into the setting. Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah, I would have enjoyed that. I'm actually happy it wasn't, though, because then I don't think we would have been as into the dancing scenes and the show business aspect. That's you know? true. What they could have done is just shown the dancing bits in in color and then the rest of the movie in black and white you know actually that's yeah that's that would have been a good idea yeah and then last thing i i saw was that he re-released a mastered edition of the movie in yeah. 2017 and right, right, right. Uh, francis ford coppola spent uh half a million dollars of his own yeah i saw that too that's it. crazy yeah was that is that the one that's on amazon prime because I I saw the runtime for that one, and it kind of aligned with the runtime of the one that I saw in Amazon. Yeah, I think it is. The mm. the one that he released in 2017 was two and a half hours, I think. So half an hour more. It includes certain scenes that kind of restructure it in a different way, because the studio wouldn't wouldn't pick the movie if it if it were more than two two hours. So he was forced to cut it down. And then um, in 2015, he started work on on creating kind of a new cut, which Rolling Stone said that it was eye opening, quote unquote, which is interesting. Yeah, now I'm not sure which one I watch. I'll I'll go back and check it. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, the performances I really enjoyed though. Like, I I was just because I'm not super familiar with the jazz scene or like those performances, you know. Um, like theater and stuff i'm not super into but I, I i must say i really enjoyed those those performances yeah just for that i would i'm happy i watched the movie you know yeah the only the only exposure i have to like tap dancing and show business kind of in the early 20th century is like fred astaire like dancing in the rain those classics but it was a whole it was a whole movement back then especially with the harlem renaissance which is like a flowering of black culture in the U.S., which the effective major cities, L.A., Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, New York, Boston, every every big, every big city in the U.S. was impacted by it. And then it also went overseas to Paris. Some black writers in Paris were very influenced by by the Harlem Renaissance. So I thought, yeah, again, going back to the to the cultural aspect of the movie, I thought that was the most important or important part of the movie to me because it's 
it's part of our history and we don't normally see um, that segregation put in a way or in context of the mob. It's it's like the first time that I've seen um, those social and racial aspects put into the context of the mob. I was thrown off for the half for the, for the first half of the movie because I I didn't know what was kind of interesting or where the writers wanted us to pay more attention to. Um, at I feel like three fourths of the way I was like, all right, I, I'm gonna care more about the show business, and that's what I'm gonna care for as a viewer. So, yeah, overall decent movie, but not 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 the best. Yeah, I agree. I think I mean, it makes sense that. In these big cities, mobsters owned most of the most valuable commodities, you know. And judging by the fact that, like you said, you know, when uh, the re- the Renaissance happened, and how um, how valuable this business was, you would it like it makes sense that mobsters of those time would be owning some of the best, uh, like like the Cotton Club, you know, some of the best places that would um bring audiences be lucrative something that you could launder money through as well um and you know all of it so it was very interesting what did you think of nicholas cage my boy nicholas cage um he again kind of he goes back and forth you know he progresses and then regresses and then progress uh for this movie his role was definitely more minor um, I, I thought it was super funny when I first heard him. I didn't even recognize him in the first scene, uh, when he pays for his brother. I didn't realize it was him. I had to go back because then I saw him and I'm like, shit, it's him. So I had to go back and watch it again. Um, I thought his, his, uh, accent was like, you could feel that it was, it was not super genuine, you know, like yeah. you could, you could tell, uh, it was really funny. He, he really pushed it hard. Um, but I thought he, he did his role pretty well. So he was the brother of Dixie. He, uh, he climbed the ranks in, uh, in the Dutch's first, uh, four Dutch, I think. And then later ended up doing his own thing, uh, got his right hand man killed and then kidnapped Frenchie and then, uh, got killed when, like after that, when Madden was like, okay, this guy is trouble. Um, I like the fact that he was, I feel like there wasn't too much moral dilemma going on in the movie, but I like the fact that his character had to deal with it at one point. If you remember, he, um, he, him or his guys killed the, the hitman of, uh, the Dutch that can, that killed his right hand man. And in the process, his men ended up killing four children on the, on the road, which were like you know, collateral damage or casualties. And then everyone was pinning it on him. Like there were papers out with his face on, um, talking about how like, you know, gangsters were, um, making this impact. And I can see how, first of all, that made it harder for the, for you'd say the classier mobsters, like, like Madden to have him around because they're trying to run a business and this kind of publicity is bad for them. I think they mentioned at one point that cops would there would be more cops in the streets and whatnot. And uh, second of all, I I really like the fact that his character was made to deal with this dilemma of having killed kids, even though he wasn't the one who did it. 
he is accused of doing it um and he realizes that he did it uh even though it was not intended yeah yeah i definitely agree the the character is well played by nicolas cage um not his strongest performance i think but overall overall i think he did a, a good job it's interesting the character um he wants to so at the cotton club at one point he asks actually no this wasn't in the cotton club i think it's in vera's club right when in 1929 there's the stock the stock market crash and then it seems like either the cotton club uh shuts down for a while but during that year we're we're seeing vera's club um and and at that point he hasn't killed those kids yet but uh vincent dwyer asks schultz for a raise or some sort of uh more more money for him and his his uh, henchmen and he obviously gets declined he gets a little bit but you know he tells him to to put it where the sun don't shine so he <laughs> so um ev eventually i think i think he just he takes matters into his own hands wanting to control more than he's allowed to and it it attracts unneeded attention for um oni's empire because oni's empire is so much more than than what vincent dwyer can even imagine like i i like what you said just a few minutes ago that the cotton club could be used for a money laundering operation and there is so much more that goes into money laundering because you have rackets you have other types of extortion across the city um i mean there's there's hitmen that you have hired that you have to pay you yeah. know, so there's, and you have connections with like the Italians we see at the end, you know. Exactly, yeah, and then you have to play politics with all the other mafia families, which if you if you sidestep or, or go above their heads, you know, you're you're toast. So, so yeah, I think he he wanted to take a bite of something bigger that he couldn't chew, and then he ends up getting getting capped. And I think the the straw that breaks the camel's back is when he kidnaps Frenchie. Oh yeah, it's, I think, then I I was like, it's over. You know, Dixie yeah. knows it too. Dixie says, run as fast as you can, because you know, kidnapping the right hand of the mobster boss of the city is not the way to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. So then, obviously, he eventually gets gets uh, ambushed in in a telephone booth, and it kind of made me sad to see that his wife slash girlfriend was there too, and she's played by Jennifer Grey, who is the girl from Dirty Dancing. Uh, Tara, let me know about that. I did oh, not know. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah, that that scene kind of made me you know sad for him and and her, but it was just the way to go. He he was being reckless, but. Um, yeah, overall, he did a decent job. I think he did, um, a better job in, in racing with the moon than, than in the yeah. cotton club. So I wonder if working with his uncle freak, like psychs him out, or is it just the role that he's given, you know? So, um, in both the movies, the, the recent movies that he worked for his uncle, he's this conniving guy in a, in a gang that wants to climb up. You know, he succeeded in the first case uh, in Rumblefish, but uh, he didn't this time around, sadly. But yeah, it's 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 he's been there's a pattern here. Yeah. 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 I, I, I I'll say it again. I love the pattern of watching him grow up and seeing that he collaborates with Francis Ford Coppola, which forces us to see Francis Ford Coppola movies. 
And then we also see the tendencies that he has when he's making movies. So I wonder if we go back after a few more, because Nick Cage does a few more with with um, Francis Ford Coppola. If we go back and watch The Godfather, for example, do we see those things mirrored, whereas before we had we would have had yeah, no yeah, idea? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch The Godfather again. I mean, it would be great if Nicolas Cage showed up in that, but he's not gonna, but... <laughs> maybe <laughs> thankfully maybe. that he wasn't in the godfather who knows <laughs> yeah 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 maybe maybe yeah, yeah we might we might have to do a special episode on the godfather at some point yeah yeah that sounds that sounds great we we could do that for sure if you guys would like to um have us do the godfather please send us an email on the uncaging at gmail.com thank you very much <laughs> So but, what did you uh, think of what what like rating would you give the movie in in total? Um so at first I was like it's just like a 6 but I think because of the performance I understand that Coppola tried to do again something different here. Um I feel like he's he could have gone the full gangster route but he chose to get, shine the light on the performances themselves as well. I learned a lot about the jazz scene and, you know, tap dancing and whatnot. Um, so I think I'll give it like a 6.5, maybe a 7. So I, I gave it a 6.5, actually. And it's interesting, I'm just looking it up. The Godfather is from 1972. I thought it was it was in the approaching the 90s. So it's weird that he's kind of doing another um, mobster movie and it's just not that executed and it might have to do with the the runtime of it because the godfather fleshes out a lot of characters and a lot of you know it it spans a long time whereas this one it spans across three years three four years but during those three four years it's like we see a day of each year and then we're supposed to kind of extrapolate that during the entire three years and i just don't i don't think i don't think that was executed properly so i gave it a 6.5 Right. And I mean, The Godfather was, I mean, I know Mario Puzo worked on this as well, but Godfather was well based on the books first, right? Like the book, like the book came first and then it was fleshed out. So I feel like it was easier for him when the plot was already laid out. So he just had to make the movies. Um, whereas I feel like in this case, you know, it, it was probably they wrote the, the script for the movies so it probably didn't have so much time on development and it didn't get polished. And of course, Godfather was a trilogy. So like you said, it's easier to flesh it out um, versus uh, this movie. Right. Yeah. How about Nicolas Cage? I gave Nicolas Cage a 7 out of 10 because while it's not my favorite of his performances up to now, he does a convincingly well job, a convincingly well enough job. Um I think the scenes where he has to be dramatic, he's a tad over dramatic, but that's just the Nick Cage flavor coming in. Um, I liked seeing him again. The there's a clear transition, like you said, specifically with uh, his uncle's movies. But um, I'm seeing I'm seeing a pattern of him getting recognized in uh, bigger and bigger movies. And as we'll see next week, he's again the co-star of that movie, very similar to Racing with the Moon. Mm-hmm. How about you? So whenever he goes back down, for me, it's like a little bit of a drop. So, um, and maybe it's unrealistic of me, but I I gave him a six. Uh, Like you said, I thought it was 
admirable the the job he did for what he was given um i think we also got to see a little bit of the the rage cage because uh the way he starts thinking too much of him is when he starts wielding the gun to extort money for the racketeering business and i think he definitely shown in those moments of like using the gun to threaten people you know i feel like that kind of a role is what slowly transitions him into his later better known action movies and when he really shines so i definitely enjoyed that part but again because we saw him dip again um after his last performance um yeah it's a 6 for me yeah yeah completely understandable mhm all right so any last thoughts <laughs> Not really. Yeah, not yeah. my favorite one. Maybe fourth favorite, third favorite, kind of in the middle. It's definitely not yeah. the worst that we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put it uh, mid, mid of the table. Right. I must say, I definitely enjoyed uh, seeing the dynamic of African Americans versus the Irish versus, um, like you said, the Italians. Um, I I for per, for me personally I definitely enjoy mob movies or like documentaries um a whole lot because you know it's a side of life that uh like personally of course I don't get to see or even people who know mobsters and stuff unless you're in their inner circle it's probably really hard to know all these things mm-hmm. so for me whenever I get a a like a lens into s- into a life that's like so kind of hierarchical or kind of um like backstage or like underground you know i i i always find those things very fascinating so even though the plot wasn't very good i enjoyed the fact that um it showed us how uh showbiz and especially in a place like new york showbiz and mobs were so Integra- integrated in the past um there was a netflix uh docu series recently about um the f- the famous five uh mob families of new york um i don't know if you've seen it it's a really good watch if you get a chance uh those families were was what i think uh the sopranos was based on um so yeah i i really find it fascinating to watch these kind of movies or shows Thanks for joining us on our sixth episode of The Uncaging. We just discussed The Cotton Club, a 1984 Francis Ford Coppola movie. Please leave us a review wherever you are listening on and share with your friends. You can send us voice notes that we will feature on next week's episode at anchor.fm slash theuncaging. You can also send us an email with shoutouts and comments and get yourself a mention on the upcoming episode. You can write us at theuncaging at gmail.com. Next week, we're looking forward to watching and reviewing Birdie, Nick Cage's seventh movie and second co-starring role. Also, in other Nick Cage news, he just announced a Netflix collaboration of a show called The History of Swearing. So we are 
extremely excited to watch that and as the episodes come out we might just mention them or make mini episodes or whatever but we are extremely looking forward to that it is coming out on january 5th of next of next year so less than a month we are extremely excited to watch it um send us an email again if you want us to review those in particular um but if not you know we'll think about it depending on how good it is we can have that as a side project um quick shout out to again everyone uh thank you for listening i heard from another lab mate this week um warren he said he checked us out and he really enjoyed it i'm happy whenever someone reaches out to us you know um it's nice to have have like made someone enjoy our show um so thank you thank you warren and thank thanks everyone um for listening um also another shout out to mohammed our friend mohammed is uh getting engaged and married later or next year uh in march so congratulations mohammed um shout out to our friend who could not be here we hope to see you sometime in the future i don't want to mention his name cuz i don't want his future employers or something blacklist him uh what if they're a big fan of this show and they're like oh this guy was mentioned to be uh kind of tardy so we don't want to hire him you know so i'm not going to name drop um but please join us at some point when he actually joins we won't even say that he was the one <laughs> exactly, that missed yeah. the opportunity yeah, yeah, yeah. just so you can't backtrack so just just to keep things on the safe side very excited to have him in. Those who know us from college know him to be a hipster. <laughs> slightly, slightly yes, a slightly. Uh but yeah, thank you so much everyone. Uh we really enjoyed breaking down this uh week's movie and see you again in the future. Have a good week ahead. Have a good week. All right. Boom. Oh, got the hebe-jeebies. <laughs>